1 Corinthians chapter number 9. This is Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not sure how many of you are going to go home tonight and try and catch the game or some of it and be up till who knows when. Um, I didn't even realize, I guess, is the game on earlier during the day on Super Bowl? Is it in the evening? Evening? It's in the evening? I don't watch enough football to know when this, when this stuff is. I, uh, I've been trying to catch a little bit of football so that I have something to communicate with Cody about. Cody loves football, and uh, I just try and get a little bit so I can tell him, you know, we won or we lost or, or man, that was a terrible play or whatever. Uh, and I just want to, you know, some of it I have to ask my wife, what are they doing? <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is bad, but... Uh, <laughs> See, uh, she, she grew up, and her brother watched football all the way through high school, and she sat with him and learned all this stuff, you know. But we didn't even have a TV growing up, so we didn't watch any football. Uh, but uh, I, I guess I enjoyed our right. Caleb and I have sat down and watched a couple games this year, just as, again trying to communicate with Cody. But I don't know if we'll try and catch some of the game tonight. I don't know. We'll see. But um, I'm going to bring a message this evening that's very fitting for the day. It's not. It's not my message. Uh, I actually don't know who the original author was. Uh, it was shared with me some years ago. I've had it in my repertoire of sermons for many years. I've never had liberty to preach it. Uh, but I'm going to give it to you pretty much, by and large, unchanged from how it was given to me. It's not, again, it's not my thoughts, but it's very fitting. And the uh, title of the message is The Champion Christian, The Championship Christian. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, for some, they live for this day. They live for the game that's played. Uh, their life revolves around this event. The money spent in preparation for today is staggering. I did a little bit of research and found that the NFL this year has spent $500 million on ads promoting the Super Bowl. I didn't even know the Super Bowl needed to be promoted. I mean, I thought, I thought pretty much everybody knew about it. And they spent $500 million promoting the Super Bowl in ads. Unbelievable. Uh, every member of the winning team gets a $150,000 bonus check. Uh, that's because they don't make enough already for playing this game. The losing team gets $75,000 check. Just because they played in the Super Bowl, they could lose and still walk away with $75,000. There was over, they believe, well, last year there was over $7 billion wagered on the Super Bowl in 2022. And they believe that that number this year could as much as double. Pushing $14 billion will be... Uh, wagered on the game. Crazy. Um, advertisers will spend this year as much as $7 million for one commercial during the game. To host one commercial during the game as much as $7 million was the most expensive one for this year. Consumers this year are expected to pay $16.5 billion on game day. That's today. $16.5 billion are supposed to be spent by consumers on food. By and large, they said on food and snacks and Super Bowl, you know, the, the, of course, drinks and all the stuff that goes with it. 
I'm assuming they're including tickets and travel and all that type of stuff for, for game day, but consumers to watch the game are going to spend... When I was reading this money, I'm thinking, man, there's a world dying and going to hell. And we spend this many billions of dollars on a, on a game. All of this to see which team is going to take home the championship. Well, this evening we want to look at the championship Christian. What does it take to truly be a champion? You know, tonight there's a lot of football players that they're very good at the game. But they're like you and I, they're going to be sitting at home watching it. Maybe in the stands watching it, but they're, they're football players. They play in the NFL, but they're not in the championship game this year. They're observing from the sidelines. The end of the evening, this evening, there's only going to be one champion. The Apostle Paul likes to describe the Christian life as a, uh, he, he typifies it or uses an analogy and describes the Christian life in many different ways as, as a fighter. In an arena. He describes it as a, as a soldier on the battlefield. He describes it as a, as a runner in a race. As a farmer uh, in the field. Well, this evening we want to look at the idea of being a champion as a Christian. The champion Christian. What does it take to be a champion Christian? We see first of all that it takes desire. It takes desire. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you're there, you can look in verse number 24. A familiar verse, he says, Know ye not, they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. So run that ye may obtain. He says, run with a purpose. You're not just out there to get exercise. You're running because you want to win. You're running with an objective in view. You're running because you have something that you want to accomplish. It begins, it starts with desire. Don't just run for the sake to run, but run to win. Beloved, desire is the foundation. It is from great desire that great achievement is born. You know, God is not satisfied with mediocrity. God is not pleased with the lukewarm Christian. God wants a Christian that's on fire for him, somebody that is moving forward for him to accomplish uh, exceedingly abundantly uh, great things, the things that we can't do in ourselves, but that God wants to do through us. Do you have that kind of desire? J. Vernon McGee said, the highest desire that can possess any man's heart is a longing to see God. What desire possesses your heart tonight? What desire is motivating you or stirring you or pushing you to do for God? Just consider the desire that these men have as they line up on the scrimmage line later this evening. Think about the desire that possessed them really for the whole of their life. I read a story of one football player that began playing football at four years old. And he said, every day of my life, I would get out of bed in the morning and I'd say, one day I'm going to play in the NFL. That desire possessed him. That desire to play that game. What desire possesses your heart? 
What desire is there? Is there a desire put there by God that stirs you to be something for God? There's your desire just to get through, just to exist. I think about the desire that pushes these men. There was a football player, and I can't remember his name now. Uh, he played in the late 70s, the early 80s, and maybe beyond that, but it was during that time frame that in the middle of a game, he broke his leg. And he got up and they said, well, you can't play on this. He said, yes, I can. He said, tape it up. They said, no, you can't play on it. He says, yes, I can. Give me some aspirin, tape it up. I'm going back out there. And he finished the game and they won on a broken leg. They said the, the fracture that he had in his fibula was something that he was supposed to stay off his leg, at the very least be in a boot with very limited movement uh, for up to six weeks. Well, he played in the next game a week later. And then he played in the, then, then they won that and they went to the playoffs and he played in the playoffs. He played, I think it was another, another four or five games total on this broken leg because he wasn't going to miss a game. I'm talking about desire that, that just motivates you that says, I'm going to be in that. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do it. I wonder what desire motivates you as a Christian. Is there a desire that says, you know what? I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be in God's house. I, I, I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to read my Bible today. I'm going to be uh, what God wants me to be. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Is there a desire there that consumes you, that motivates you? Vince Lombardi said the difference between a successful person and others is not a lack of strength. It's not a lack of knowledge, but rather a lack of will. It's a lack of will. The desire, is the desire there? I wonder what desire is motivating you. When I was dating my wife uh, at the time, uh, you know, she lived in Michigan and she went home for Thanksgiving. I'm like, man, that's going to be like four days without seeing you. It's a long time. And so brother Gene Sharp, we were roommates. And at the time, Gene Sharp was dating her sister. You guys didn't know that little bit of uh, <laughs> trivia information there. <laughs> So Gene Sharp was dating her sister, and Brother Gene Sharp and I, uh, on Thanksgiving, we got up at 5 in the morning. You weren't allowed to leave the dorm before 5.30. And so we waited till 5.30, and we were ready to walk out the door. We got in the car. We drove four and a half hours to Michigan to her house. We spent the whole day there with her, and then we got in the car and drove four and a half hours back. We had to be back in the dorm by 11 p.m., and uh, we made it, you know, like a 1058. I mean, we were, <laughs> we were cranking, you know. Uh, but I'm saying what, there was a desire there. There was a desire to be with her. Is there a desire in your heart that motivates you to be with God, to see God do something great? But desire alone is not enough to make you a champion. Otherwise, how many of you realize there would be a whole lot more people wearing some championship rings? 
If desire alone was enough, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that have had the desire to have the ring, right? But that's not enough alone. It also takes discipline. It takes discipline. Look in verse number 27. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number 27. He says, but I keep my body, uh, keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Discipline, beloved, is the fuel of success. The, the nicest car out in the parking lot tonight, whosoever that may be, doesn't matter how beautiful it is or how strong the motor is, if there's no fuel in the gas tank, it's not going to go anywhere. Discipline is the fuel that makes desire move. Discipline is the fuel that allows you to accomplish and be successful. Rare is the truly disciplined Christian, but it's only through discipline, beloved, that one grows. It's only through discipline that you begin to get stronger. Without spiritual discipline, you are simply a babe in Christ. It is amazing how many Christians have been saved for many years, but because there has been no spiritual discipline, they're still a babe in Christ. They have not disciplined themselves to get into the word of God and study to show themselves approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. They haven't had the discipline to memorize any scripture. They haven't had a discipline to build a relationship with God and, and let God lead and direct them in their lives. They haven't had a discipline to, to say, I've got to be in God's house. I've got to be in church and spend time with God's family. And so although they've been saved for many years, they're still a babe in Christ. Paul talked to his believers and said, hey, when you were at a place when you should have took meat, I had needs to deal with you like babes. I had to give you milk because you weren't ready for the meat of the word because you hadn't grown. Beloved, it's only through discipline that Christians grow and become what God wants us to be. You'll never truly be a successful Christian without discipline. Beloved, there has never been a successful athlete that was not disciplined. Michael Jordan is believed to be one of the most driven athletes in NBA history. Very successful and accomplished. Yes, very talented. And sometimes the younger generation thinks that, oh, it's just skill. It's just natural born ability. And obviously some of these men have some natural born ability. But if you read about Michael Jordan, you know that he was always the first one in practice and the last one to leave. Many times his teammates said we would show up for practice at six in the morning and we would find that Michael was already done with his workout and in the gym ready to scrimmage. We're just getting there and he's been there for an hour and a half already. Not once or twice, but time after time after time, that was the kind of discipline that he had which made him successful. There's never been a successful athlete that didn't have discipline. You know, when I was a young man, you know my desire was to be a, a businessman. You knew I wanted to be wealthy. I wanted to be rich. But I had enough common sense as a young man to know that the successful businessman was not playing video games all day. I knew that if I really wanted to be successful, I had to have some discipline in my life. 
And so I went to Bible college to get some discipline. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling the honest truth. I saw when my brothers came back from, from Bible college, they were different. There was something, they weren't kids anymore. They, there was some priority in their life. There was some discipline there. They were getting up in the morning and mom wasn't knocking on their door and saying, time to get up. And I said, That's, if I'm going to be a successful businessman, I need some discipline. And so I went to Bible college to get discipline, still fully planning to go out and fulfill my desires to, to be a businessman and be wealthy. But I gave my heart to God and said, whatever you want, Lord, that's what, that's what I want. And God changed my desire. But I knew that I needed discipline. I may desire to play the piano, but desire alone is not enough. It's never going to happen unless you have discipline to practice. And to desire to be a champion Christian is admirable. It's good. But it takes discipline as well. Maturity as a Christian doesn't just happen. It's hard work. 1 Timothy 4, verse number 7 says, Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. It takes some exercise. I don't know how many of you were kind of, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I was challenged when Dr. Brown was talking at 76 years old. He's talking about riding a bike 100 miles, going on 100-mile bike rides, and his wife went with him. So I looked at her and said, well, no, just kidding. I, I mean, I was 100 miles. I've been on some 50-mile bike rides. I've never done uh, 100 miles. But I can tell you, after 50 miles, <laughs> and I was much younger, at 76, that takes some discipline. That takes some character. That takes some willingness to, to get in, out there and do it. There's no shortcuts to peak physical condition. And there's no shortcuts to peak spiritual condition either. I know we want to do it. We wish there was some shortcut. That's why all of these diet programs can be so successful. Because everybody's looking for the next shortcut. Everybody's looking for the next easy way to lose weight. How many of them talk about you can lose weight while you're sleeping? Sign me up. <laughs> you know, lose weight while I'm sleeping? Hallelujah. I'm in. You know, they promote the easy way. You've never heard of an easier way to lose weight. How many of you that have been there, you know it takes work? I mean, it takes work. It's just there is no easy way to do it. I don't care what plan you're on, what program you're doing. It takes some discipline if you're going to do it. If, and, and it will work if you do it. That's what it is. Just take some discipline. Well, you can be a successful champion Christian if you have some discipline. Tom Landry, that former coach of the Dallas Cowboys, said, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve that which they've always wanted to achieve. The job of the coach is to make men do what they don't want to do so that they can achieve what they've always wanted to achieve. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, that probably could be very much like the job of a pastor. To try and encourage and exhort people to do what they maybe they don't really want to do so that they can achieve or be what they really want to achieve and be. Championship Christians. And we can be that if, it, if we discipline ourselves. 
It takes some character, and your character reveals how much discipline you have. Paul continually pressed towards the mark. He didn't give in or give up. He kept going. Paul acknowledged all the way to the end that he wasn't there, but he was moving in that direction. Each day, drawing closer to God and being more like his master. Not just one day or one year, but faithfully till the end. And that is true character. You know, I have a lot of respect. You'll see, like, a lot of the guys that I ultimately bring in, a lot of times are much older. Uh, the preachers that I bring in, they're, they're much older. And I, I have a lot of respect for people that have been faithful. And maybe I don't agree with everything they say or do or exactly how they would run things or whatever, but I look at them and say, man, they've been faithful. They've stuck by the stuff. They're still today what, what they were 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago, just serving God and being faithful. And I look at that and say, man, that's what I want to do. I just I, I desire to be faithful. Man, I, I love it that God's allowed me to be here at Hunt Valley Baptist Church all this time. Since the beginning of 2007, being here as part of this church. And it, it, more and more, it shocks people. Uh, when they hear that I've been here this long because people don't stay that long. You know, when I tell people that Pastor Derek's going into the ministry and uh, they're like, oh, really? How long has he been here with you? I say, well, he's right on 10 years. And they're like, 10 years? Wow. I mean, assistants don't stay places 10 years. It's just very, very rare that somebody would stay and have that kind of consistency and faithfulness. And I just... Praise God. And I was telling somebody at Nancy's, uh, one of the church members at, at Nancy's memorial service, you know, I said, if the Lord will let me, I think I've got 22 years left in me. You know, I'm, I'm 48. So I think if I could go 22 more years, uh, you know, I said, provided the church will put up with me for 22 years, I don't know if they can. But if they can, I would love to finish my ministry out at Hunt Valley Baptist Church. God will just... Put a hedge about me and keep Satan back and keep me from being what this old flesh wants to be and help me be spiritual. And God can be honored and glorified in, 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 in just faithfulness. You know, he's, it's kind of a steward that a man be found faithful. And you know what? You don't have to be all that in a bag of chips if you'll just be faithful. Just be faithful. Then it's going to take some sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1, this familiar verse, he says, Wherefore, seeing we all also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which has so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He says, lay aside every weight. Lay aside anything and everything that's going to hinder you from achieving or accomplishing your desire. This could be a, 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 an exercise in discipline. It could be a continuation of that point, but a, a willingness to, to sacrifice and to let go of anything that's going to hinder you from being successful. I was listening to a, a uh, comedian. He was talking about riding a bike and how you, you, know, you need to ride a bike and the goal you know, is to get there faster. And, and one of his friends told him, well, if you shave your legs, you could go faster. <laughs> he's like, he's like, uh... Really? He's like, yeah, yeah, man, you got to shave your legs because you can go faster. (laughs) 
I thought, they're, they're shedding the weight, man. Any weight they can get off, to just anything that's going to slow them down. I mean, they're willing to sacrifice and shave their legs so they can go a little bit faster on a bike. What are we willing to shed so we can be what God wants us to be? Oh, I don't want to give that up. Lord, don't ask me to sacrifice that. Lord, that's, I need that. It's going to take a willingness to sacrifice, to let go of some things. Vince Lombardi said, success is like anything worthwhile. It has a price. You have to pay the price to win. You have to pay the price to get to the point where success is possible. Most important, you must pay the price to stay there. Football is a great deal like life in that it teaches that work, sacrifice, perseverance, competitive drive, selflessness, and respect for authority is the price that each and every one of us must pay to achieve any goal that's worthwhile. What are you willing to sacrifice to achieve the goal? To bring honor and glory to God. Will you give up that sin? I mean, he says lay aside the weights, but some of us, we got some sin that we don't want to give up. Not even talk, I mean, we're talking about things that are a transgression of the law, things that we know that God is not pleased with, and we're saying, Lord, I don't want to give that up. But he says, hey, there's maybe even some weights that you need to let go, things that aren't necessarily sin, but they're things that are slowing you down. They're things that are keeping you from being all that God wants you to be. Would you be willing to let go of the weights? that are keeping you from being a championship Christian. we got to lay it aside and leave it for good. You know, we can't lay it aside and then pick it up again tomorrow. And say, oh, I'm going to be a champion uh, Christian, so uh, I'm going to lay this aside today, but next week I'm going to pick it back up and carry it again. You know, sometimes people do that with hurts, with offenses. God speaks to your heart and you say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay that aside. I'm going I'm to get over that. I'm going to let that go. But then three or four weeks later, you, you let it come back into your heart. You pick it back up. You start mulling over it again and thinking about it and getting mad all over again. <coughs> you got to let it go. There's things so, far more important than holding on to and nurturing that offense you got to let it go. Beloved, there's no off-season for the Christian. There's no time where we get to just sit back and relax. The world and the flesh or the devil are, are not going to give you a break. They're not going to just say, oh, okay, you're on, you're on the off-season? All right, no, we're not going to. No, they're still coming after you. It takes commitment to a cause. We know that the cause is important. How committed are you? How committed are you? You know that young man that I mentioned that began playing football at four years old, woke up every day. He plays for the team in New Orleans. Who's that? The Saints? The New Orleans Saints? He plays for them today. But... In his senior year of high school, he had already signed for, I think, LSU, 
uh, I, I think, don't quote me on that because I already told you I don't know much about football. But he had already signed to play for college for them, but in his, his, one of his final games in his senior year of high school, he was hit and busted four vertebrae in his neck. When he went to the sideline, he looked at his dad and said, Dad, my neck really hurts. And his dad said, take some aspirin and get back out there. And he tried to take aspirin, and they found that he couldn't swallow because his disc had slipped into his throat and were blocking his ability to swallow anything. They took him to the hospital, found out that he had broke those vertebrae, and basically said, you'll never play again. He had decided that he was going to play. And so he went with a mission to play again. Now, because he had already had a commitment with a college, there was a college that had him on a team, but they wouldn't clear him to play. He sat every game on the bench. They wouldn't clear him to play because of this thing in his neck. Finally, he got his own doctors sometime in his college career. He got his own doctors to clear him. And six years after the game that he broke his neck in, he was put back on the field for the first time. And a few years later, he went into the NFL. He was committed. He was committed. How committed are you to being a championship Christian? To being a championship Christian? Vince Lombardi said, The quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence. Regardless of their chosen field of endeavor, once a man has made a commitment to a way of life, he puts the greatest strength in the world behind him. It is something that we call heart power. Once a man has made this commitment, nothing short of success is acceptable. Once he's made that commitment. And that's what this young man said. That was my goal. That was my commitment. Nothing short of that is going to be good enough. What about you? As we conclude this evening, in the end, beloved, in the closing days of our life, we look and there's been many who've taken their last breath. And with their last breath, the game clock was stopped. The finish line tape was split in two. We look at these men with admiration. They finished their race. But will you and I finish our race? Will we complete as championship Christians or will we just be mediocre? Will we just be lukewarm? Or will we be a champion for God? I wonder when we get to heaven if there'll be a championship crown for you and I. Or will we watch from the sidelines well, lesser-known Christians who were faithful receive the crowns, and we just watch. Well, beloved, we're not at our finish line yet. We can still do something about it. You can be a championship Christian with the days that you have left. Would you stand?